It's Picture Lock on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous award-winning show. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find movie reviews, all the back episodes, and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. In fact, make sure you visit the site for my written reviews of The Intruder, Ugly Dolls, and Shadow, which all come out this weekend. Or if you'd like, hit up YouTube.com slash PictureLockShow for my video reviews. I'll have that and my talk on Let's Talk Live this morning in the show notes. Last weekend, Avengers Endgame hit theaters, and I knew it would be awesome to talk about it with fellow film critics and film lovers, the epic film guys. So today I have a crossover episode that's a whole lot longer than regular Picture Lock episodes, but true fans will love it. The epic film guys have their third annual live stream for The Cure coming up this month, so we'll talk about that first and then get into Endgame. I'm going to give a special shout out to Nick Haskins, who did most of the heavy lifting and editing this show. Appreciate that, Nick. I know how difficult that can be. Now, I usually keep the show pretty clean for radio and the podcast, but with this crossover, I've edited the language for the radio edit, but the podcast is so long, I just let it ride after the radio version. Fair warning. Plus, I have your answer to last week's question of the week. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock. Hi, this is Michelle Remsen, writer, director, producer of Toss It, and you are listening to Picture Lock. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and I have to say, guys, I'm so excited to have my good friends in podcasting and in life back on the show. It's the epic film, guys. I've got Nick Haskins, Justin Esquivel, and Brian Loy on the show. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for having us, Kevin. It's a pleasure, as always, and an honor absolutely an honor i feel like i'm at home in a way (laughs) in a way (laughs) you you are brian you are uh man yes uh it's good to have you guys back now uh, we're gonna be talking about endgame folks because you know obviously this little film came out this past weekend and so like i couldn't talk about it by myself i needed some really good folks in banter to talk about it but first before we get there i do want to talk about uh an amazing uh, fundraiser and event that the epic film guys have been doing this is now their third year it is the live stream for the cure it takes place may 17th through 19th guys i'm gonna throw it over to you i just want to know what is this event about obviously for my listeners if you have heard them on before you know that they've talked about it but if you're a little bit new to uh the show or you know you're listening to this on radio this is something that you definitely want to be a part of so i'm going to throw it over to you guys let me know what is this third annual live stream for the cure all about essentially uh it's uh, just our goal to raise money for the cancer research institutes uh every single year they research immunotherapy, which is uh, research to try to make everybody immune to cancer for future immune to all forms of cancer is kind of their, their slogan. Uh, cancer, I think, is something that affects everybody, no matter your sexual orientation, your race, your religion, uh, young, old, it doesn't matter. Cancer is something that, that, that gravely affects everyone, and I think that we can all get behind you know, a future immune to cancer. That sounds like a really, really great future that I want to be a part of. So, uh, that's why we 
you know, torment ourselves, put ourselves live on the air for hours and hours and hours upon end. We have dozens and dozens of amazing partners uh, that join us and, and do all sorts of fun events, give away prizes and stuff, all to raise money for cancer research. It's 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 just an absolute blast, and it's an honor to do it for uh, just the third year running. Yeah, most definitely. I definitely think that this is just a great cause. I mean, I think like probably every single person can talk about a person in their lives that they've lost to cancer. And if you haven't lost someone, then you know someone that's lost someone. Um, and I know we talked about this a little bit the last time, but, you know, last year, you know, you had the live stream for the Cure 2.0. And uh, unfortunately, uh, one of your our fellow podcasters uh, lost his life to cancer. Nick, if you could just talk a little bit about that. I mean, I definitely shed some tears uh, just in hearing uh, his story, but if you could, like, let's definitely celebrate Perry, but, um, you know, just talk about how, how real this is. Last year's event uh, was closed out by Perry and Lindsay Johnson, who were immediately huge supporters of the event. And just about a month before we went live, he found out that he had stage four esophageal cancer and he, you know, very tragically lost his battle with cancer in January of this year after, you know, a, a very, very, very tough fight. And this year's event is going to be dedicated to Perry. His wife, Lindsay is going to close out the event again this year. We're absolutely thrilled to have her back, but, uh, the community, even after three straight days, even after three solid days of content of donating tons and tons of money, the community still turned out and donated another 800 or so dollars to put right into their pockets to close out the event. And, you know, it's just, it, it, it's really just, it's heartbreaking to just, it, it, cancer is heartbreaking. Cancer sucks. And that's, and that's why when we first put this charity drive together, I knew I wanted to do cancer and I knew I wanted to, to find an organization out there that number one, spent the money in a good way which the Cancer Research Institute does. They have amazing grades on charitynavigator.org and all the different sites that rate charities. Uh, they put a huge, huge amount of money, 88 cents out of every single dollar donated, goes to research. It's not one of these places that does like 30 or 40 cents and the rest goes to CEOs and overheads and all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, it, it was just a huge, huge blow. I remember, and it's funny, we're going to talk about Endgame because last year during the event, one of the things that Perry, well, he gave me a lot of flack about it because... You know, I had my Marvel detracting and everything like that, but Perry gave me a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, crap about it because <laughs> it was why you got to hate on Marvel movies, Nick, why you got to hate on Avengers and everything like that. And he was talking it coming out of Endgame. I had just a, a little moment of sadness because he talked last year on the event about how nothing else mattered to him. All he wanted to do was see the next Avengers movie, which was Endgame at the time because infinity war had just come out a month before that. And, uh, just, it, it, it breaks my heart to that. You know, he, he wasn't there, you know, Lindsay went to see it without him, you know, in tribute to him and, and everything. It's just, you know, he, he was a great dude. He was so full of life and, and it was amazing to just have him be part of the event. And, and he lives on and his memory lives on through the live stream for the cure. That's why we're doing this event this year in his name. Wow, man. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. And I didn't even get to know him personally, but I knew him definitely through you guys. And, uh, you know, it, it just uh, brought tears to my eyes to hear that. But it's amazing that you guys have started this, 
you keeping it going. I mean, now three years. Uh, and like you said, Nick, uh, just the fact that you know that your money is going to a good cause. But not only that, like, you know, most of the money you donate is going straight to the cancer research. So if you yeah. could, like, one last time, just, like, where can people go online? How can people, you know, follow uh, the event and make sure that they're part of it? Well, you can check out everything at livestreamforthecure.com. I highly recommend connecting with us on our social media platforms as well. We are heavily marketing the event all over that and on our Facebook page, especially um, from there, uh, you can go ahead and be a part of the event group on Facebook. And that's where you can actually locate the, the link pretty easily to donate. Right now, we still have early donations coming in as we speak. So if you're interested, that's where it's at. But also, we just want you to tune in. We just want you to be a part of the event with us. Listen in, have fun. As Nick said earlier on, we have tons of partners, tons of amazing podcasts, very talented people that want to be a part of this with us. And they're all going to be a part of it and we're going to have some fun stuff going on that weekend so just check us out there awesome well i appreciate you guys doing this uh folks if you're listening definitely radio audience podcast audience you definitely want to support this uh, obviously it's a great cause uh so again uh there was a small film that came out this past weekend uh, avengers endgame and i think guys it's about that time Let's go ahead and get into it. I, I definitely think that uh, we cannot get into this without going into spoiler territory. So uh, for folks, if you haven't seen it and you want to be a purist like me and I'm sure these guys, you might want to turn off your radio or pause the podcast and come back because it's time to get into Endgame. The Avengers Endgame. It's the culmination of 11 years and 22 motion pictures from Marvel Studios. Uh, this is picking up after Infinity War uh, and kind of the fallout of uh, the event that wiped out half the universe. Thanos snapped and half the universe is gone without a trace and the remaining Avengers are kind of fractured. So the movie kind of picks up from there and it's about basically the rebuilding of the team and uh, them trying to take, you know, the final stand against this mad Titan. Uh, And it's an epic conclusion for sure. One that I found to be immensely satisfying, but I don't want to get too far into my thoughts uh, without first kicking it over to my good friend over here, Kevin. Now, Kevin, what were your expectations going into this film and your initial thoughts? You know, it's so funny because uh, for me, so I got a shout out to Daniel Lease is one of my buddies. Uh, he is like a purist where he doesn't watch the trailers. He doesn't want to hear anything. And I found myself in that same position with this film. I, go, I went in and I didn't know, like, I was just like, how, what are they going to do after Infinity War? Like, I was crushed. I remember audibly hearing people um, just gasp when Infinity War ended and it was like, you know, the Avengers will be back or whatever it says at the end. Thanos will return. Yeah, Thanos will return. Dude, and so coming, so th- literally, so there there are only a few films where I'm like, God, please, man, and it kind of sucks kind of saying this like right after we talked about the live stream for The Cure. But seriously, like, I'm like, God, please don't take me before this film goes or, you know, plays. And that was Avengers Endgame for me. Like, I, when I got there, like, I was like, please don't let me get uh pulled over by the cops please don't let me get hit by you know another car and then i sat down in my seat and i was like i made it 
why am I watching 30 minutes of previews? <laughs> and so finally, you know, we were able to get our answer as to like, you know, what happened uh, in the fallout from Thanos' snap. So for me, I kind of went in with a blank slate. I tried not to listen to any blog or read any blogs or any spoilers or anything like that. And as you said, Brian, like I was immensely satisfied with what we got. You know, I mean, again, 11 years, 11 years ago, George W. Bush was president. Like there's so much that has happened in the world since then. And we've grown with these characters. And I I think uh, there's so much that had to go into kind of closing a chapter yet opening a new chapter and for that no i was just gonna say imagine being the screenwriters and sitting down and thinking okay what do we do (laughs) Right, right and i think for that because that's such a monumental task like as a filmmaker as a screenwriter like i know that that stuff is hard to do and i feel like they were able to tap into so many different things, the tie-ins from films of past um, to, you know, just kind of giving us a glimpse for the future. And I can't wait till we really get into this to kind of talk about some of that stuff. But for me personally, you know, I thought that they did a, a, a great job. And, you know, I just left the theater uh, a little bit sad, but, you know, at the same time, just so excited. That's great. Uh, Justin, you're over there. What were your thoughts on this? Movie? I'm chomping at the bit, man. I'm chomping <laughs> at the bit. I very much like Kevin. I only watched the the first and second trailer. Uh, I did not watch anything beyond that. I was very lucky and not seeing any spoilers. And I just have to say, the whole um, marketing campaign uh, by Marvel, don't spoil Endgame or whatever the hashtag was, I get it. But at the same time, like for me, it's the same thing with like the Star Wars movies. I care a lot about those movies. I don't want them to be spoiled. So you know what I do? I stay off of social media for like the week leading up to it. If it really means that much to you, seriously, take one for the team. You can put your phone down for a week. It's actually therapeutic. It's very helpful. It'll clear your mind. You don't have to worry about it. Take the text from your wife or your girlfriend or whoever it may be uh, for important stuff. But Kevin, you're totally right, man. I had no clue what this movie was going to be. I knew that Avengers were in it. I knew they were going to fight something and they were going to try to make things good again uh, and bring back our our fallen warriors from uh, the last film. But in essence, I had no idea what the plot was going to be or anything like that. So I was extremely surprised and happy with what I saw. But. That's my initial thoughts. We're saving the best for last year, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> I think I know where what we're going to get out of this. So let's just get it over listen, with. Listen, have you ever like talked to someone? Because right now, like I can see Brian's face, Justin's face, and Nick's face. And like me, Brian, and Justin are smiling. Nick, <laughs> he's not smiling. Like, he, yeah, that's a fake smile right there. But... <laughs> Let's go, what Nick. What do you mean? Do it, Nick. Uh, he, n- n- no, no. I now there were parts of this movie, and 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 we'll get into. We've got a lot of ground to cover because this was a long movie with a lot of stuff going on. So there's a lot of different things to touch on in this movie. I hated the first half of this movie. Hated it, and it finally, finally picked up for me. Uh, around somewhere in the middle of the second hour or so and, and really started to chug. And I, I mean, I don't think I'm speaking out of place here when I say most people probably loved the third act of this film. I also loved the third act of this film. I thought it was 
absolutely okay. amazing. It was immensely okay. satisfying. <laughs> uh, but the journey to getting there was for me excruciating. I was so, so angry by about 90 minutes into this movie. I was like, I'm going to hate every single thing about this movie. Th thankfully, I didn't. I've got a lot of good things to say about it, but I've got a lot of things not so nice to say about it, too. So I'm very, very middling as far as this film goes. I don't think it needed to be three hours long. I know you guys are all going to disagree with that. Kevin's face says it all right now. <laughs> but yeah, I just, for me, yeah, I mean, where Infinity War I thought was very, very punchy. It was very, very tight. And it was, you know, it, it, it floored the plot and it drove it forward for what? Two hours and 30, two hours and 40 minutes or whatever it was. This thing was at a narrative standstill for about 90 minutes. And it was excruciating for me. Loy sauce is shaking his head. Justin looks just like he's going to just go throw something at me. He's going to kick me off the call. I'm not throwing anything at you. I, I, I knew as soon as I saw you comment <laughs> a gif of a dumpster on fire in our fan group, the Hopesters Dumpster, that something was wrong with you. Or or the other option was is that you were trying to troll me so hard that you were trying that hard. But I, I, I had a feeling you were being serious about it. So, yeah. Well, I, I hate to say it, guys, but I, I was not I was not immensely satisfied, as Kevin said. I, I did not walk out of the film immensely satisfied. I was okay. <laughs> okay, so not a dumpster fire then. I mean, this is not on the same level as a Suicide Squad or an X-Men Apocalypse. Well, for no, you. no, not God, no. No, look, let's Okay, so Hellboy is still by far the worst movie I saw this month, guys. Like this is not going to take the place well, of Hellboy. Well, that's not a high bar to clear. No, it's not. That's true. I rated Hellboy a 2, so my rating's going to be above a 2, so just we'll, we'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good, I guess. <laughs> well, th that's interesting what you say about Infinity War, Nick, and I, I agree with you uh to a certain extent. I rewatched it before seeing Endgame. And it is a busy, busy, busy film. Like it just, it's just go, 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 go. And there's very little downtime. I think with, with Endgame, what, what the attempt was, what they were trying to do was get a lot of those character moments that were kind of missing from Infinity War and kind of front load the movie with them. Um, it may not work for everyone. It certainly, I guess, didn't work for you, Nick, but for me, it worked because, um, you know, the movie got you invested with the characters uh, right off the bat um, in kind of a slow, slower burn. And as the movie picked up, it you, you realize, you know, how much you care and how much you're deeply affected. And it's because they set up those character moments at the beginning. I guess we can talk a little bit more about why you felt that it was excruciating. But for me, I thought that the payoff, the movie's payoff at the end uh, was so much sweeter because we had spent, you know, time with the characters earlier on before we got to all the busy, you know, uh, Avengers stuff as the movie went on. Well, let's, let's face it. Let's face it here, though. There was so much to wrap up in this movie. They had a monumental feat in front of them that they had to achieve. This is the last one. Like Nick said, uh, not that long ago, they had to tie so many things together. We know that plenty of the actors in this movie, um, two major actors, they're no longer going to be associated with this franchise as we know right now. So there's two main characters that, as Kevin said earlier, we, we basically have followed and grown with for the past 11 years. They needed to be able to you know, tie everything together perfectly in this little pretty with a pretty bow on top and hand it to the audience. And I think that they did a great job of doing that. And for me, I think I think the first act is fine. It is a little slow. 
a lot of things happen extremely conveniently in this movie. But you know what, yeah. though? You know what, though? As you said, Loisos, it would be very hard sitting down at a table. How, how, all right. So how do we end this now? I'm scratching let's, my head as I'm recording this. So let's jump into this for, for a second, right? Like, at the end of Infinity War, a snap, and boom, half the universe is gone, right? Gone. And Crash. so, so, so going into it, we already know that people are going to come back, right? Like Black Panther 2, we know that's coming. We know that, you know, Spider, Spider-Man, what, far away from home is coming. So we know people are coming back. The question is, how did that happen? Right. And that's what we went into the theater trying to, to hear the answer for. Now, you could quickly jump into, um, you know, bringing everybody back and everything like that. But I think it was genius what they did in terms of the pacing and allowing us to really settle in to uh, two things. I think grief and guilt. Right. So uh, we saw grief, the way that they even kicked it off with Hawkeye losing his family. Right. We're in the end game now. So it's like spoilers. Right. So Hawkeye losing Ooh. his family. For me personally, having a wife and two kids, I knew it was about to happen because I knew like they were about to disappear. But like I felt that grief. I felt what Hawkeye was feeling. So later, like when we see he's like assassin and he's just gone crazy, like I felt that and I could, I could relate to that. Um, and I think that's one of the things like these are superheroes. And for me, I actually kind of went into the movie with a little bit of baggage from life. And I actually learned a, a few things from this superhero film that will help me in life. Like Thor's line about the only permanence is impermanence. Right. And that's, that's really it, man. Like you can, you can, life comes at you and you don't know what it's going to throw. You know, like I don't look for trouble, but trouble sometimes comes for me. And I think that there was something about seeing superheroes, people that have these amazing powers that we don't have, the people that like save other people. Their, their whole job and goal is to uh, help humanity being in this state of grief, in this state of kind of depression, seeing Robert Downey Jr. so gaunt. I don't know if that was like real or if that was like CG, but like I was kind of devastated. And so I think that that really helped so that once we finally did get moving, like it felt like we were, we were able to live in it. And honestly, like even though it was three hours, um, it felt earned to me. Like it didn't feel like three hours. It felt more like two. So yeah, they, they flew by for me. And that's a great point, uh, Kevin, because I do think they, they focused on the humanity of these characters, even though they are superhuman. They are still in essence, human, or at least most of them are, you find yourself halfway through the movie, like, wow, I really care. <laughs> I really care about these characters and where they end up. So yeah, it's part of the journey for me. Um, Nick, can you talk a little bit more about why you found that first, I guess, half or first hour so excruci- excruciating for you and your words excruciating? That's a pretty harsh word. Well, and, I, and I agree with what you and Kevin are, are talking about in terms of getting into the humanity of these characters and really exploring grief and everything through these characters. The problem is the setup in this film. And, and, I, and I dislike the setup in this film because, well, okay, let's... 
again, full spoilers, people. Dial it back a little bit. I know where you're going to go with this. Tune the hell out if if you don't want to hear what goes on in this movie. But I love the kind of gotcha at the beginning where they immediately find Thanos and go to the planet where he's at and beat his ass. I loved that that was a quick swerve and that, oh, nope, it's not going to be that simple. And I loved that. I thought that was a great way to start this movie off. I love uh, beginning the film with Hawkeye's family dying and, you know, disappearing in the snap. It immediately kind of places you right back into the way that you felt at the end of Infinity War. It was a great way to capture it. Then the film flashes forward five years, five years. And all the Avengers, the Earth's Mightiest Heroes have done is mope around the whole time. It's been five years, five, and everybody is still just sad and upset about everything. Like at some point, at some point, and you can get into a discussion about whatever, how long is too long, whatever. I don't want to necessarily get too much into that, but I dislike that the film flashes forward five years. Everybody's still at a standstill emotionally from where they were after defeating Thanos and, and after realizing that they can't undo the snap the way that they thought they were going to be able to, that's my first problem with this film. And the second problem I have with this film is why the fuck did the Russos decide to go with this post-apocalyptic aesthetic? Half of the people on the planet still leaves 4 billion fucking people on the planet. And they shoot this whole fucking thing. Like it's a ghost town. Like there's nobody anywhere. Like everything is post-apocalyptic and deserted. And there's nobody anywhere. Like there's still 4 billion people on the planet. It's not abandoned. Yeah. There's a lot less people. But it's st- it's not abandoned. Like you're still gonna have major cities with millions and millions of people, and there's just wholesale, just like like giant like parking lot graveyards and like empty. But everything. to be fair, Nick, that's one scene. They actually, and this is one of the things that I. But had that's to one say of the things that, that took me out of it from the very beginning, and, and I hated like, that setup. Right, I understand what you're saying. There's one scene of that, and I actually, uh, this is one of the things I had an issue with. I said to Loisos after I saw the film, is there is literally only one single scene where you see. Uh, normal people you see an empty baseball stadium and it's when we lead up to cap and he's like basically heading this focus group or this uh you know like a a, a talk group where you sit down and you talk about your problems that's the only scene we see really which, which by the way features a cameo by the director playing quote the first openly gay character in a marvel film which um i'm sorry if i can just talk about that real quick disney keeps doing this where they say oh you know le fu is the first openly gay character in a disney movie ever and then you go see it and there's a millisecond of him dance uh, a, a shot of him shot, dancing yeah. with another guy <laughs> yeah like disney disney wants to keep patting themselves on the back for for inclusion but they don't ever really follow through with it like okay so Honestly, I'm sorry. I don't know which Russo brother it is, but he's playing a character who, who's talking about his partner, and he happens to say he. So you use through context clues that he's a homosexual person, but that's it. He's not even really a character. Brian, Brian you can you can ask him about this tomorrow, because we're actually going to see the film again tomorrow with a live <laughs> Q&A with the Russo brothers in D.C. So you can ask him when we're there. I'm that's true. Serious. We yeah, are. We're doing it. Ask him. Ask him about it when we're there. You know, it's interesting, though, Brian, that you say that because, like, I totally, like, I missed that point. Like, I noticed that he said I knew it was a Russo brother, but I didn't really even catch that. Well, because he mentioned something about and here's the thing, Nick, and and I'm going to agree with you on on how they they portrayed the world at that point, because he's sitting there and talking about how the restaurant was good and how someone ordered a salad or something. And I'm like, someone's ordering a salad and they're having a good dinner. Like, I'm, I'm picturing a fine dining restaurant in my brain. And I'm like, 
but this baseball stadium is completely empty and like the parking lot looks like and there's cars all over the place just abandoned. Sure, there would still be some of that, but the world wouldn't just stop and end. And I felt like they went a little bit too hard on that. I, so I agree with you on that. I was hoping for more of like that was okay, my biggest problem. Half with the it. world's still working. The other half isn't. But like, like, there should be like a middle ground. One of the characters during that ground. scene with uh, with Captain America mentions like they miss the Mets or whatever. Like, did baseball just stop existing when Thanos snapped? Did all the baseball players, were they all included as as half of the people? Maybe, maybe they were. Listen, I guess. I'm going to I'm going to jump in on this, though, uh, because, yes, I get the fact that showing scenes that look like I am legend doesn't make sense. But at the same <laughs> time, if we logically think about 50 percent of even the Mets, the baseball team is gone. 50 percent of every single baseball team is gone. 50 percent of the people that work at McDonald's are gone. Like there's going to be a certain amount of time where the world needs to. Uh, grapple with that and then slowly start to build it but back. But it isn't really five years, though, is it, Kevin? Is, would it really I don't know. I've never... I mean, there's plenty of kids... Thanos never snapped in our... McDonald's. There's, there's plenty of baseball players that are from the farm teams. I'm sure they could just bring... Right, hey, we still have the Mets here. We have, whatever, I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know. Five years, I don't know, but I do think that it's going to take the world a certain amount of time to, like, get back to life as normal. So I, th- I feel like that was grounded in reality now granted if it said like a decade later yeah maybe like you guys are taking too long but like you gotta have a certain amount of time for grieving just period like figuring out obviously they had all the missing posters and things like that coming to re to grips with like this is the new reality and then saying you know what we need to get baseball going again. We used to love it. Why don't we? I just think that like it makes sense for at least the time. Now, granted, I will admit that the pictures of, like I said, the I am legend, uh, overgrown weeds in the mall. Yeah, that part might be a little bit overkill, but I do think that it takes a certain amount of time for, you know, humanity and the globe to recover. But it isn't really five years, though, is it, Kevin? Is, would it really take that long for them to do that? I mean, there's plenty of kids that need jobs, teenagers at McDonald's. There's there's plenty of baseball players that are from the farm teams. I'm sure they could just bring around. Hey, we still have the Mets here. We have, whatever, I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Maybe they actually did research into how long this thing could actually take or how long it would take for, for, for humanity. There must be some realism implanted there because for me i'm thinking two years baseball will be back baby that's like america's pastime i'm just saying like we would find a reason to be happy about something like our our whole culture our whole country wouldn't just be sitting there mourning constantly you know our our culture picks up from a lot of bad things that have happened to it and we move on pretty quickly so but loisos what were you gonna say Uh, well i was just gonna say considering that it's not just human life either it's like all life on the planet like you know, animals and plants, and that—that's at least what I took from it. Is that's you know, that's what snap. it means, yeah. Right. So, I mean, human life can also be affected by the fact that like half of animals just vanish, half of plant life just vanishes. Like that—that that could also be taken into consideration. But we could spend a whole podcast on this. Well, yeah, there's many, food, many. Yeah, stuff, we could. Yeah. There, I'm there's just, many. That's to drive ma- back home to to my original point. That's. Like contextually for me, the setup for this film doesn't work because they, they shoot it and they, and they pitch it in such a way, pitch baseball that it like the whole world's abandoned. (laughs) Like everything's like wholesale abandoned. Like everybody's miserable. Like nobody can move on. Like everybody's completely unhappy. And I would have rather seen life moving. Like, you know what would have worked better for me instead of a shot of an empty baseball stadium, a shot of a baseball stadium half full. 
and, and different things like that, because everybody's missing a little piece of something because of Thanos's snap. What I would have liked to see is, is that being more effective. Like, I don't understand why they went with the post-apocalyptic stuff and it did pull me out of the film at the beginning of it. And I'm, I'm like, it's been five years. Like we like what? And then we could kickstart that into the actual plot of the film because the actual plot of the film happens by complete fucking happenstance because a random rat walks over a control yes, pad in rat. a van. A rat, yes. In a van a rat. and kicks Ant-Man out of the quantum realm where he's been trapped since the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. The, this is a problem I had with uh, with the beginning of the film because that, that was, uh, again, the writer sitting down, which... You know, they, they managed to pay off a lot of things in a satisfying way. This, at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, I'm like, how are they going to resolve this? And the answer is, um, a random rat crawls across Listen the module. Listen here, don't say a random rat. That rat is a hero. We have that rat to thank for this movie. Okay? They used the a whole- practical live rat. This is not a CGI rat or animatronic. Well, see, it's a real rat. This is This is the thing, like... I would have, at the beginning of the film, we see, like, they've already brought Captain Marvel in because she saved Tony and Nebula at the beginning of the film. And I would have loved if they would have had a solution like that to be like, hey, you know, why don't we research into the quantum realm? Like, if they're going to bring time travel in as a plot device, which we'll also talk about, I'm sure, if they're going to bring that in as a plot device, like, they should at least have some moment where somebody picks up and researches and says, hey, what about Pym? What about this quantum realm thing? Why don't we try to research this? And then they stumble upon just by happenstance, they find Scott Lang in there and then he comes out and, and whatever. Like, I love the reunion scene he has with his daughter. Like that was really, really touching. That was really, really nice. But I hate the contrived way that they just randomly, a rat wanders over this. I what love if, the rat. Get out of I here love with the your rat. rat. Kevin. You shut up. Kevin wants to get in here. Right. We're talking about a superhero movie. Like this stuff isn't real anyways. So for me, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? A rat? Like that makes sense. Like, okay. So five years later, obviously somebody has put this. Overanalyze things, Kev. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Just go with it, Nick. What are you talking about? Like, does Thor really exist? No. <laughs> now keep in mind. It was five I love years. Kevin, the- Tam- Kevin Samson's here to bitch slap me back to reality. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> it's been five years in the quantum realm. That for 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 him, it's only been five, five hours. hours so yep. Scott's only been gone five hours in his in his mind, but the five years have passed by. But so so you're saying though? I just want to make it clear on the show for the record, Kevin. You're fine with the rat. I'm fine with the rat, man, right, because yeah, like, okay, his 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 van got uh, <laughs> what's it called I'm taken in just. by whatever place that it's at, and yeah, it's dirty, it's filthy. A rat walks across, and boom, he comes out. I was able to go with it. Like again, it's not that serious. It's a superhero <laughs> movie we're watching. Like, and to be clear as well, Kevin, and I gotta say this for all of the characters. That that would involve a rat and something like that happening. It would be Ant Man. Seriously, it's the perfect character to do that to. It's true. Can, can can we talk about the fact that Captain Marvel appears at the beginning of the film and then promptly disappears for the rest of the film until the very end? Brian, you're you're, you're kind of wrong because she doesn't leave the movie until the end because we see her in hologram form after the five year mark when they have their Avengers meetings. With all the holograms, like, hey, yo, where are you at? War Machine's here. Rocking a sexy uh, fucking Marvel's haircut. There. 
You know, that haircut you know, was I awesome. Love that haircut. Yeah. I don't know how they did it. It's, she didn't really get the haircut done, but that, it's the in the comic books, though. Comics. Yeah. That's yeah. How she has in the co- and I loved it. I'm like, man, however they did that was great. She looked very sexy. Here's very the high, problem. Here's what they had to do. Pat-ass. Captain Marvel is too powerful. And Captain Marvel is basically a one woman solution to every problem. So they had to find a way to get rid of her for the majority of the runtime of, yeah. of the film. That I mean, that's but the that's, logical that's answer. Not what I, that's not what I wanted to see after we just we just, just saw, saw Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, I agree with you, Lysos. I didn't like it either, but that's one hundred percent why because they made her too powerful, and she like she would have just stomped a fucking mud hole in Thanos's plans, and just like the movie would have been over in twenty minutes. <laughs> I know, but like we just spent a whole movie like uh, learning about her character, and then she's completely absent. And she, she explains go why. She explains why she says there are plenty of other planets that don't my have you there. Me. Yeah, well, my, she said my planet needs me. Guys, listen seriously. Captain she, Marvel died on the way back to her home planet. <laughs> Keep quiet. Seriously, she does say she says there are plenty of other planets out there that don't have you, meaning the yeah, Avengers. But that's like, true, help. but. What 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 could be going on in the ga- in the universe that that is more important than Thanos wiping out half of humanity? I don't know. We we can talk about that too. You know, a whole other podcast about that too. But we have we have more movie to talk about. If they let her just come in and totally wreck shop, like it, the movie would be over, right? So it'd be yeah. done. Yeah, it's just like what I was talking to you guys about. I just went and saw Intruder. Like, if there wasn't someone that's being stupid, the movie would be over. So we need, <laughs> we need her to leave. So. Heaven, I have so many stupid people to thank for all the dumb slasher films that I love and adore. It's true, right, though. right. It's true. You, you have to think about within the context of the movie. If she was there from the beginning, she, I'm just going to stay here on Earth. The movie would be done in in, in minutes. It'd be over with. She Same would obliterate with literally Witch. everything. Like if Scarlet Witch was really at her prime and uh, you know the power. Like I don't think maybe Infinity War what, wouldn't have ended. It goes back to Infinity War when she finally comes out onto the battlefield, and then Denai uh, Guerrera. Yeah, Denai Guerrera's character turns around and she's like. Where was she this whole time? Like, why wasn't she on the battlefield the whole time? Because she just immediately, like, like decimates all those, like, rolling monster things in Infinity War. It's kind of the same thing here, but that's what happens when you have vastly different characters with vastly different power sets in the same movie. You just have to find a way to either A, nerf them, or B, get rid of them wholesale so you can have a movie. Like, I mean, that... And I and I hated the fact that it was post-apocalyptic or whatever, but that I was completely like, yeah, I knew they were going to do this. So I kind but of guys, expected that, so I didn't really get as upset about it. We don't want to get into the ending yet because we need to save the best for last. But I want to ask this question roundtable to no. all of you guys. No. Because this worked for me, and I had no idea this was going to be in the movie, and I was pleasantly surprised by it in general. How did the idea of time travel work for you guys? I mean, because obviously... Ant-Man has the pin particles. He only has so much. And I love that they have to pull Tony Stark back into the story. I really, really, really enjoyed that a lot. Like he's out, he has a family with Pepper. That's that's part of the story that I really enjoyed and um that he has to figure out. Also, I'm gonna throw this at you as well. Half Hulk, half banner. It's like Banner Hulk, but not fully Hulk, not Banner. So well, there you is, go. And this this is uh, just just to make a point here, because there's certain characters that get the kind of shittier end of the stick than others in terms of character development. Like we saw like this whole arc develop in Infinity War after Hulk gets his ass kicked by Thanos, where Hulk actively refuses to come out. And that whole thing is just 
in a snap pun intended resolved in this movie. And I wish they would have explored that a little bit more. Cause I kind of wanted to see a little bit more of that. And they just whisked it away. I always thought that I always thought that was weird in infinity war, how like he was having problems being Hulk again, even though they had just really dealt with that in Thor Ragnarok. I don't know. It, there's yeah, a lot I of regression of character arcs in, in a couple of these different movies, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we get into more of the characters and stuff here. Uh, but that to me was like really bothersome. I didn't know why they went that way. I have two main problems with the time travel aspect in this movie. Number one, why don't they just go to 1970 to get more pin, pin particles? Because they talk about the fact that they they only have enough for the one trip and back. For each but person, they, yeah. Couldn't they just go back and get more? Oh, you mean what they eventually end up having to do anyway? <laughs> I don't think they... Did they know, though? Did they really know? Or wasn't well, that... That happened well, by chance, though. Didn't that scene happen by chance? Like, he was in there, and he was like, oh, wow. Well, that was after here. they screwed up the first time. Yeah, They screwed right. up, and then they realized, like, we can't do this unless we get more pim particles. So then they realized they had to go get more. Because they established early on that, like, if you go back uh, to the past, it doesn't alter your present. Uh, that's the mar. I guess that's the Marvel version of time travel because they have a lengthy scene. Like, well, what about this time travel movie and this time Which travel movie? Which I fucking movie? hated, and, and I bet Justin absolutely loved. I bet Justin I was coming it. in you his pants. You know why I loved it? You know why I loved it? Because Alan Silvestri's Back to the Future cues were playing behind <laughs> it because Alan Silvestri did the score. So of course, when they mentioned Back to the Future two, and I hear Back to the Future two, get him out of here. I'm like, yes, 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 nostalgia voter. I knew Thank it. you. As soon as I saw that scene in the theater, I'm like, Justin is coming in his pants right now. <laughs> a little bit. A a little bit but i'm gonna jump in guys because like I, I that that was one part of the film that i did actually have an issue with because like especially so i felt like the audacity of marvel to say back to the future doesn't count you know like they they just went ahead and was like you know all these different films that's not time travel but honestly that's how we have come to kind of understand time travel. Uh, Looper was a fantastic film. And there was that whole Nebula thing that I was like, wait, why didn't the old, like the old Nebula die? Cause she just killed herself. Uh, so I felt like Marvel was because they had so much to do. They decided that, hey, we're going to grab this time travel thing and we're going to go. It's almost like Eminem and 8 Mile when he like goes ahead and says, yeah, like I do live in a trailer. So like blah, 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 blah. So now you you don't have anything you can use against me. And I feel like that's what they did with time travel. They were like, let's throw back to the future out of the window and all these other, you know, pop culture phenomenal you know, time like travel Terminator? movies. Like how, how do right. they speak that way about Terminator? Exactly. Exactly. And so that was one issue that I had because it was like a lot of the stuff that we've come to think or to know from so many films, like it just did not necessarily make sense. But for this film, I was like, okay, I'll go with it. Yeah. And I went with it because what it gives us the opportunity to do is revisit some of our favorite moments or moments that we didn't care about and give them another layer. This movie manages to make Thor the Dark World a retroactively better movie. So I will give credit to this movie for doing that. <laughs> My second problem, uh, I'm, I'll quickly mention, but uh, as Kevin said, comic book logic, so we can excuse it away, is the fact that uh, Tony Stark figures out time travel in like 0.2 seconds. 
I thought that was like just like incredibly convenient that he was just like, huh? He punched a couple things on the holo- uh, on the hologram computer, and he was like, I figured out time travel. Oh, Brian, have like, you ever li- seen the first Iron Man? Because this is the guy that in a cave created the first Iron Man suit. Out that of took scraps. him months. Out that of took scraps. him months. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just saying. That took him months, and he had help in this movie. Just saying. Well, he's progressed. We've seen this character grow. We've seen by oh this point. He's always the guy to bring in to figure something out, him and Banner. And of course, he's going to figure out in seconds. How would he not? You know how pissed people will be like, we're going to spend 20 minutes on start figuring <laughs> this out? No, we want to get to the action. They so spent 20 minutes fa- on all the goddamn characters moping around and doing nothing for 20 minutes. They could have given us a little bit more time of Tony Stark inventing time travel. No, I, I will get I, it out of here. Get it out of here. No, uh, okay. So I'm. Uh, yes, we can be glad that we they didn't spend too much time on that. I just thought it was very convenient. But as I said, it manages to have kind of like almost like a greatest hits or almost like dude, a uh, dude. Cat versus cat, Brian. Cat that versus was incredible. Cap. Cap. America's ass is one of the greatest things in film in 2019. Seriously. I'm saying it now. That's America's Did you not ass. like that scene, though, of Cap fighting Cap from Avengers? Well, let's take it back just a, a couple steps where, you know, Cap is able to get into the elevator and say, Hail Hydra. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> that was amazing. Like, it the, was just roared at that part. Well, right. did, you guys, did, did any of you guys actually think, in my mind, I was thinking another Winter Soldier situation where he was going to have an elevator fight. I was really I was hoping like, they man, weren't going to do that, and I'm glad they didn't. That was a great no, I scene. Uh, well, I, I just expected they were going to. Then when he does Hail Hydra, I was like, oh my god, he just went there. And then when he goes downstairs and runs into his 2012 Avengers self, I, I literally had goosebumps. I'm like, I can't wait. And that was also clever because in the comic books recently, uh, Captain America was actually a double agent for Hydra, yep. and he said Hail Hydra, and that was a huge deal in the comic so i think that was like a, a subtle a nice to touch that to that yeah comics. a nice a nice touch yeah. to go back to that yeah and the, and the fact that he was able to tell himself like hey bucky is still alive like he knew that that was gonna allow him to be able to get free like it it was really cool how they kind of tied those things in yes it was a little bit sappy but at the same time like you went with it and you were like, wow, like they, they this is basically cool. tied together the whole universe. Right. Like it's, it's like, it's pretty amazing. Like the, the achievement in that way. They also gave a lot of hardcore fans the opportunity to see Tom Hiddleston's Loki again. We know he's a fan favorite. We got to see him chewing scenery, even for a small bit of time, but he's there. He's chewing scenery. I mean, I, I heard a lot when, when he showed up on screen, Brian, at that screening at Alamo draft house, I heard huge applause and cheers just for the simple fact that he's on screen. You know, so he's a fan favorite character. He is a fan so. favorite. So, I mean, for me, and of course, he gets away with the Tesseract, of course, and then, of course, they have to go back to 1970 or whatever. One thing, one thing, like, real quick, and I don't know if you guys have looked this up and stuff like that, but um, just in regard to some of the recreations of these past films, I honestly am just like, how did they do that? You know, like, part of it, I, I, I mean, was it like an old set that they had or... Was it that the, it, everything was just completely new? I thought that that was really cool that they could kind of go to these past scenes that we've seen. And yet at the same time, like it all fit so seamlessly knowing that like, hey, they shot that film a long time ago. But like yeah. at least for the setting and everything, it just like it melds together. Well, like the it's, designs meld together. Like when half Hulk banner sees old Hulk 
smashing the car and he's like looking at him making a joke. I'm like, that still looks like Avengers Hulk. The CGI still, it looks, it looks good quality. It looks, but it still looks like Avengers looks, you know what I mean? It still looks like what they made in 2012. It was insane. It was just seamless. You never thought about it really. I mean, I really didn't in the theater at least. I was like, wow, I'm watching them back in 2012. Right. And I forget what's uh the uh so Doctor Strange and um oh man, what's the actress's name that's so great? Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Yeah, that whole scene with like Banner where she's like, "No, hold on, we're going to have a conversation." <laughs> and then like it's the whole spirit realm or whatever. Like I just I just loved all of that. Like how they were like taking these moments in time where like you know, Thanos's folks are coming out of the hole in the sky, but like we're able to just like pause in these films and, and I guess kind of going into, uh, I guess, you know, down into the, the funeral where we bring back so many characters. I just thought it was an awesome curtain call in, in, in the sense of like how Toy Story 3 was a great call or curtain call. Um, and we know that like, at least contractually, some of these, uh, actors may not come back, like Nick was saying earlier. Um, but at the same time, you know, who knows? We, we don't know, but at the same time, I think that that was what made it so, um, emotionally, I was able to re- resonate with what was going on, you know, especially that funeral scene, man. I, like, I was like, I was trying to be tough because, because I was in the back and, 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 you know, but then like, I, I was just like, oh, that's water. What is this? <laughs> I cried. I'll see water. Right. <laughs> I, cried, I cried, Kevin, at least three times in this movie. There is a question that I have to ask my co-host, Nick. This is something that's been ongoing on our show for weeks, where we said that Tony Stark should have died in Infinity War. And I may or may not have changed my mind on that subject, but I want to ask Nick, should Tony still have died in Infinity War? Or did he earn his death, and was it more properly placed in Endgame? Nope. Should have died in Infinity War. Perfect See, I dramatic I completely moment. disagree with that. No, I completely disagree with that, because this movie, they give him uh, even more motivation. They give him a family. They give him... Uh, I don't so dislike his more... character arc in the film. I do love his character arc in the film. And dramatically, it works in terms of you know him being the one that ends up sacrificing himself isn't that so much more fitting? Isn't like, Because he's the one who started this whole universe. He kicked off the whole universe. So isn't it so much more fitting and satisfying at the end to see him be the one to take out Thanos once and for all? Nope. Still wish he would have died I don't, in Infinity I don't, War. I don't understand that. I'm going to jump in there real quick. I totally can understand how you could believe that, hey, uh, Iron Man should have died. But I do think there was something super satisfying about... Um, that moment where he looks at Dr. Strange and Dr. Strange goes like this, like one. And it's almost like he knew like, okay, I have to do the snap and I got to give up my life and all that stuff. And then like uh, Brian was just talking about in terms of uh, just the fact that he had so much on the line, like I knew going into it, I was like, Tony has a lot more to lose right now. And we know that Tony Stark is all about Tony Stark. But yet he has, through 22 films, come to this final conclusion where even though he has a little girl that he knows he's going to leave behind. And I'm sorry, like one of one of my friends had talked about how, um, you know, for husbands, when married to a wife, right, like we love them. But. For our kids, 
there's this no, this level of unconditional love that like you just you can't put into words. And so he knew he had to give up his daughter the five years that he had or four. I don't know how old she's four or five. Like that meant so much more than if Thanos had just killed him on the rock, whatever the name of the place was. So I felt like that was so earned. And again, like Justin was saying, like, that's why I was crying. Like, because I just felt like he, he sacrificed, he gave up Well, yeah, the ultimate yeah, sacrifice. Yeah. I don't disagree that Tony's character arc as written in this film I don't disagree that it works insanely well. They definitely give him the most to lose and they definitely make his sacrifice at the end of the film worth it. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is I think from a writing standpoint, what they should have done is found a different way to go about it. Cause I still think dramatically speaking, it worked better in infinity war if he would have died then, but then the way that they wrote this film again, I had huge problems with the first half of it. So I wish not necessarily like two hours earlier or at the beginning of the film or anything, or they instantly undo everything. But I wish that they had brought some of those other characters back earlier and they could have still brought Tony back or they could have done things differently in a writing perspective. I don't know. I don't, I didn't write the script for this and I'm not going to rewrite it on the air, but I just, I don't think his character arc was bad in the film and I don't think it didn't work. I agree with what you guys are saying. It did work for me in that sense, character wise and dramatically. I just, still liked that dramatic moment in infinity war better. I just liked it better. But, yeah. And, and I, I, and I know what you're saying there um, because you and I, that was one of our major issues with infinity war because they had the opportunity to, to grow some balls and show us that Marvel wasn't a bunch of pussies. I'm just being honest with you because that was the moment where they were like, we're going to show you that we're going to give you the heavy stuff. And, Isn't that what the end of the they, movie is they, though? With all the characters they away, they pulled no, no, because that was their moment to stab our favorite, our favorite hero right through the chest and kill him on screen, and they didn't do that. But unlike Nick, slightly, even though I do agree with what he's saying, I'm retracting my statement that I said last week and the week before that, and every other week <laughs> before that, where we talked about it, where I do feel like it works better within the context of this movie perfectly. And actually, that's I cried; I had tears down my down my face and i looked at my wife danielle who who watches these movies with me every single time i see them in the theater but who is not nearly nearly as invested in these characters as i am and i looked at her and i gotta tell you guys her eyes fully welled up full of tears and crying both sides huge huge tears and i'm like this is it this is the way it was meant to be that was planned there's no way that was made by mistake, they they planned it that way, and I just I had to ask you, Nick, because I I would have to say it to our fans, I made a mistake, and I'm openly admitting it now. Real quick, uh, I know we probably got to move on from this portion of it, but uh, from what I had read, like Robert Downey Jr. was the first person allowed to read the script, and I think that that is an he was the only one that got thing. to read the entire script. <laughs> yeah, 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 because like, dude, like. He started this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, Blade saved Marvel, right? But in terms of the MCU, it started with Iron Man. And if you guys remember, Robert Downey Jr. was kind of like... uh, Hack. Yeah, like everybody kind of gave up on him. They wanted Tom Cruise for the role of Iron Man. And And he comes in and he delivers this this character that like he was born 
to play. So I think that at least in terms of a swan song for Robert Downey Jr., it made sense that he didn't die. And I'm done. Let's take a quick break for promos. Stay tuned. What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do. And as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realized that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know in a behind the scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your film's PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to PRForTheIndieFilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community, and become an army of one. Picture Lock question of the week last week, what did you think of Avengers Endgame? On Instagram, at Joseph underscore Tova said, amazing movie, great plot, so many twists. Why did they have to take away Iron Man? Why was Captain Marvel so weak facing Thanos if she was said to be the strongest Avengers? Who is that new kid at Iron Man's funeral? To which Elements of Madness, our good friend Douglas Davidson, responded, the kid is from Iron Man 3, same actor, all grown up. I was actually wondering that myself, so... <laughs> At My Life on Budget said, loved it, did not feel like three plus hours, was a great end for the two main characters of the Avengers saga. I've got a call in from my homie Daniel Lees out of Charlotte. Hi, brother man. So we haven't been able to talk about this in person. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll save some of the decisions for the movie uh, for that. But man, I tell you, th this, this movie was unfreaking believable. And it's a tribute to the source material. It's a tribute to the decision back in early 2000s to get Feige involved with what Marvel Studios has become. Uh, and this was really, truly a masterpiece of the last 22 films. Um, one of the people that I saw mentioned uh, in passing by somebody was Sarah Finn, who's their casting director. And really, this couldn't have been done uh, without her and without uh, Feige sort of finding his uh, right-hand man to, to help uh, define who these people would be uh, across all these films and across this universe into uh, Endgame. And I think that really shows here. The Russo brothers did a fantastic job bringing everything together. Uh, little callbacks to some of the earlier movies have 
have gone on to you know, sort of be overwritten like Thor's universe and, and bringing back uh, Rene Russo and, and uh, Tilda Swinton for Doctor Strange. And I love the way that they were pulled into uh, the movie. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, oh gosh, there's so many emotions that came out of watching this movie and it was so amazingly well done. I went in with a complete blank slate, didn't see any of the trailers, didn't see any of the previews or other discussions. And had no idea what to expect and it just exceeded every expectation that I had. Uh, I can't wait to see where they go now, although I'm, I'm a little worried they really just can't go uh, better than what they've already done. They don't have to go bigger, but I'm just afraid they can't go better because it's just so well executed. Um, and it's just going to be one of those that I, I just keep seeing and, and keep watching uh, for, for many, many years to come. Uh, but uh, just really a spectacular production. And... Um, a lot of props to Marvel Studios. Thanks, everyone, for participating in the question of the week. Picture Lab question of the week this week. Should studios continue making reboots or are reboots getting old and a lazy way for studios to make money? Leave me a message 60 seconds or less on the film and your thoughts on it, and I'll play it during next week's show. Call 202-350-1351 with your name, where you're from, and your thoughts. You can always let me know on social media or email me at picturelockshow at gmail.com, and I'll read your answer next episode. And welcome back to the Epic Film Guys podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we are moving right along with our Avengers Endgame review part two. Gentlemen, I gotta ask you a question. Were you personally offended, or were you offended at all, by the introduction of uh, an overweight Thor in this movie? I've been reading a lot of think pieces online about how people are mad that uh, this movie's fat-shaming people. What do you guys have to say about that? I mean, if you drink that much beer on a normal basis, especially IPAs and stouts like it showed him drinking, yeah, you get fat, dude. But was it played for... Do you think it was played for laughs a little bit too much? No, I don't. No, because he 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 self-induced the whole thing. Like he he drank himself into that state of mind. He's sitting there drinking stouts and IPAs, and he's eating pizza on a constant basis. Yes, you'll get fat. I don't care if it's played for last because if you're doing that consciously and you're worried about people laughing at you, you probably should think about your your life a little bit and be like, hey, what are my life goals? Should I change something up a bit? I drink beer all the time. I eat junk food once a week. I allow myself that. But otherwise, I know that if I don't do that and have moderation, as we like to call it, no, you're you're gonna look like Thor looked like in that movie. It's just reality. All right, I gotta That's do it. it. Shut up! Shut up! Oh no! No! Wrong! Now shut the fuck up and let me do my shut job. Up! Now, I'm not going to talk about, uh, as the resident fat guy of the podcast, uh, I was, I didn't care, whatever. Like, I laughed at the, at the, at the, at the fat, funny dude bits. Like, people learn to laugh at yourselves more, please. Like, I'm a big fat dude. Like, I am bigger and fatter than Thor is in this movie. And I thought, like, I was, like, I was okay. Like, I laughed and it was funny. It was a funny joke. I had a huge fucking problem with not only Thor's character in this movie, because his character regresses big time in terms of character development, but I utterly fucking detest the fact that they, they, you know, we, they go to Thor 
and he's there with Korg and they're playing fucking Fortnite of all fucking things. <laughs> and, and, and he gets into a fucking fight, an argument, and we're live streaming this on Twitch right now, for God's sake, into a fight with a gamer. See, that's what all the people are doing. They're still playing fucking Fortnite, but they're not playing baseball anymore. Into a fucking fight with somebody playing fucking Fortnite. Now, I know that like Fortnite had Thanos in one of their seasons after Infinity War came out, and this was probably like Marvel's end of the deal. Like, you gotta have it's Fortnite somewhere in yeah. the fucking movie. But fuck Ramps and Shields. It's fucking stupid. I fucking hate it. That's my, that's my rant. But as far as fat guys go, yeah. I'm a big fat dude. I didn't have a problem with it. I don't really care. Whatever. Like, learn to laugh at yourselves. There's a lot bigger problems and there are a lot of you know groups of people if you want to just you know group people up into groups that are way way have it way worse off than just random fat dudes like so yeah d- d- shut up <laughs> i'm gonna jump in real quick uh you know i guess from the opposite end of the spectrum you know as we look at justin with his his pecs and he's been eating right and working out right now um yeah some of us do have these man boobs uh but yeah i think what justin was saying is accurate like if you eat that way that's what's gonna happen i don't know again we're talking about superheroes if a god is going to be able to gain weight like that i honestly didn't think it was as funny as so many people are talking about like oh this was awesome fat thor blah 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 the only thing I really did appreciate that is the tie-in to the Big Lebowski because he definitely looked like the dude. Yeah, yep. I thought that part was hilarious. But outside of that, it was just like, again, Thor has never been my guy. And honestly, it wasn't until Thor Ragnarok that I think he really got interesting. So, you know, again, I feel like Thor is kind of like there they're carrying that weight and this was another way that they kind of like tried to make him now he's he's carrying it literally (laughs) i just waka waka for me and to get into kind of the real meat about the problem that i had with it i think thor's character arc in the film is the most regressive and i get that he's like upset with himself because he blames himself for not stopping thanos you know he had the chance to go for the head and, and, you know, stop the snap and everything like that. And I appreciate that they kind of took his character in that direction, but I think a, they took it way too far. And I think B, they left him there way too long as a character. Like we've already seen Thor go through these a massive, amazing character arcs through the three films. Thor, the dark world is a piece of shit. I get it. And I know some people are mixed on <laughs> Brannis Thor. I get it. But we've seen this character grow a lot throughout those three films. We've seen him accept his rightful place as the leader of Asgard and, and all this stuff. And then like, I mean, really the, the, the thing that I feel the worst about is the, the people of Asgard, man, do they get the shit under the stick? Number one, uh, Thanos kills like all their people almost. And that's for the people that weren't killed when all of Asgard was completely destroyed. And then half of them get snapped away by the snap. And the ones that are left are left to just found this Norwegian fishing village or whatever. And then their leader, their King is basically just some fuck stick who just gets drunk all the time and plays Fortnite. Like that for me is it's, it's, it, I hated what they did to Thor's character in this film because they don't, do enough in my opinion like there, there's great character arcs you guys talked about tony earlier i know we're going to talk about cap yet but they don't do enough thor wise in this movie he does have a great scene with his mother uh it was nice to see renee russo come Fantastic back in this scene but they don't do enough to kind of bring thor back from just being i'm the big fat joke dude 
to give him like the kind of same catharsis at the end of the film that you see in resolution to say Cap's character arc and Tony's character. I, I really, really disliked that they, he kind of gets the shitty end of the stick here. In, well, he in does, terms of he, he does, arc. but he also, but Nick, he also gets the hero moment early on. And I think it likes to play with what that hero moment means. In some movies, that hero moment could be the most epic moment of the entire movie. But in this case, in the opening of this film, it's supposed to be epic, but he walks away and he realizes immediately it's not what it's supposed it's empty, to be. Yeah, it's empty. It's empty. I, it's an again, empty feeling. I loved empty, that they feeling. opened the film like that. I liked that. I think that after the fact, I would have liked to. I mean, they, they play with the fact that he's an alcoholic. They play it way too much for laughs. I agree with that. They, they probably should have played it a little bit more seriously. I mean, if you're going to make the character an alcoholic, I mean, for real, like he's drinking. I mean, I know he's a god, but he's drinking like, you know, kegs and kegs and kegs of alcohol. At they some point, you've got to bring him back from that is, is I think my point. And I don't think I don't think they did enough. I don't think they did enough to bring his character back from the from the from the path they set him on as a character. That I think is the biggest problem I had with it. At the end of the movie, he's still basically just a fat drunk dude. Whereas he didn't experience the kind of growth that our other main Avengers did in the film. You know, our other like original Avengers. When we if we go all the way back to like the but beginning Lois of the MCU. Us- I gotta throw this to you. You know what they're setting up at the end of this movie. They're setting up another movie, one of the only other movies that are left on the slate that they're gonna start working on soon, which is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. That's right, and it seems as though they're gonna take Thor out of his his his, his three movies are done. He's done out of the Avengers movies, but it seems like he's gonna be now integrated into the Guardians films. Which, which I don't I, know how I, I feel about because it for me. Some of the worst parts of Infinity War for me were the interplay between Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth. I think they're both great Agreed. comedic actors. I love both of them, but I did not like uh, Star-Lord and Thor's scenes together because it's basically so much dude broing and like, I just, it really ru- left a bad taste in my mouth. And then they did it at the, again at the end of this movie, and I just was not a fan of it. I think they might, uh, uh, that that might change with, and you might disagree, Nick, but James Gunn's script, I think he's better suited to that kind of uh, banter. Um, I would hope so. Yeah, uh, because the, the one of the cringiest scenes in Infinity War for me is the is the whole like rivalry between yeah, Thor and Yeah, the dude and, bro and started like, like, where Pratt's like, oh, I've got a deeper voice now, and, and whatever. Even though, you know, Drax plays it for laughs and stuff like that, which is a little bit funnier and whatever, but like I said, I... I don't know. I, I just, I disliked that seed in, in Infinity War and I really didn't like it in Endgame either because it's just like, guys, this is not funny and it's not working. Just stop doing it. Well, let's talk about, uh, because we talked about the, the scene earlier on with Thanos, Thanos in this movie is a very different Thanos than what we see in Infinity War in a lot of ways because he's past Thanos. You know, when they, when they go back in time, it's Thanos from 2014. 2014. Yeah. He's not necessarily even really the same character in a lot of ways. So, um, what did you guys think of Thanos in this film? We've all we've all been a younger version of ourselves, and I think what we got to see in this Thanos, the 2014 Thanos, is a Thanos that wasn't quite sure of how he was going to get to quote unquote the end game, but he had to quickly adapt to and realize that what he was doing actually came to fruition. And so I think that we got um, a younger Thanos that was like on the trail and he knew he was going in a certain direction. 
yet he had to come to grips with, okay, it obviously worked. What I was doing happened, but now I need to call an audible and figure out how I can still make this happen. And as he said, you know, he, he is inevitable. And so I think we, we, we definitely didn't get, uh, as mature Thanos as maybe was we saw in Infinity War. But I think that the Thanos that we did get was the appropriate one that was a little bit younger, but yet coming to grips with, you know, what he had done, uh, worked and like, how can I rework this to make it happen? Since obviously these Avengers are trying to mess it up. Yeah. And, and it sets the stage, uh, for confrontation at the end because Thanos learns that the Avengers are coming from the future. So he's always, he, he's even still like one step ahead, but he learns um, that from, from Nebula, who this is one of the interesting plot points of the film. He learns it because Nebula from the future is there and her, her memory sense device in her brain is actually connecting to old Nebula. So he sees that based on this reaction. Nebula is also a, a, a great character with, with a, a, quite the arc throughout the series, too, because she starts out as kind of generic villain and she turns into a character well, with she's a very lot of important to the and- plot of this movie she's actually the most important par- part of this movie i think in, in a sense because she's the one that leads them to thanos and this point this she's the character she plays a dual role in this movie if you will but i think that, that happens very conveniently a little bit too conveniently if, if i may say but i mean if they're just wrapping everything up they're looking at the table and they're writing that script it's like how do we oh all right look, there there it goes that works and it makes it makes sense when you're watching it i don't think you have to question it too much there but i gotta we gotta get into this because we have a lot still left to talk about in this movie but one of the most important parts of this movie is one of a lot of people's favorite avengers which is black widow and who's whose favorite is that? Like <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Really? A lot of people. That's why they were talking about she's gonna finally supposedly get her own solo movie. And um well it's Scarlett Johansson, Kevin. Well well question though, is this are we talking about comic book Black Widow or like in the MCU Black in, Widow? Because in the MCU. What did she not, do? What have I don't you know. Seen her in that outfit? Like, are you watching these movies? Okay, so now we're looking at her <laughs> objectively, but like, no, I'm not, no, I'm just saying, no, her character is. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Ever since Iron Man two, but something happens to this character in this movie. I mean, uh, we already talked about Hawkeye a little bit, but they they go off on their journey. What I found interesting is that, which we haven't even touched on, is that. The, this time travel, it, it's not all of them going back to one time. There's like pairs or three of them or two of them at a time going back to a certain time to try to w- grab these stones. Black Widow and Hawkeye go to a, try to get a stone. And of course, they run into... It's the exact same scene we just saw in Infinity War with Thanos and, and Gamora. They It's literally like a replay of the exact same scene, just with different characters. I thought that was like weird and unnecessary. It is, it, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump off on that. And I'm going to say I actually really, really disliked it because it works perfectly in terms of Thanos and Gamora because in his twisted heart, Thanos really, really does love Gamora. But then in order to have this sacrifice work, in order to get the soul stone, you have to sacrifice that which you love most. And really black widow is what Hawkeye loves most bull fucking shit. 
because he becomes this entirely different character like this I, Ronan, I guess is the character's name in the comic books. They don't ever name him that in the film, but uh, like he loves his family. Like he is devoted to his family and to the memory of his family, black widow dying. I mean, he loved, it's not that he doesn't like love her and like have affection for her because they're connected characters, but like that, which you love most, like fuck you. Bullshit. Well, but they're killing, they're, 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 killing themselves in that scene too so it's not even really a sacrifice of it's what not. they love it's, most it's, it's one sacrifice. each other basically it's, in for, essence, it's yeah. so forced and it, it, like a lot of the rest of the time travel scenes in this movie where the different characters go to the different time periods and have the interactions and stuff they work extremely well for me the Vormir stuff number one you're exactly correct Loisos it is a dead replay I mean literally I think they just gave the same exact lines to whoever the voice actor is that, that did the Red Skull not Hugo Weaving <laughs> yeah not Hugo Weaving Yeah, which we were corrected on on our Infinity War yeah review. we were wrong on that on our Infinity War but but it's it's literally the exact same lines and then it's like you have to sacrifice that which you love most well killing yourself isn't somebody sacrificing the other thing and then like i mean like i could almost buy it if it were the reverse situation if they killed hawkeye because maybe nat you know whatever that was what she loved the most or whatever but like wh- what like it was so forced and it was just like we need to try to force this in here somehow and if, if if they had set up kind of like a relationship or a romance between Haw- Hawkeye and Black Widow, which they kind of hinted at in the first Avengers movie way back, but then they started developing Black Widow and Hulk, which ultimately didn't add up to anything well, at all. They developed the whole, so, this movie again opens with Hawkeye losing his family. Like, I, right. I mean, again, like that, that to me is the, is it's so forced. It's so contrived. It's like, we have to think of two characters that are at least sort of connected that we can try to pass this off as working in terms of getting the soul stone. So I just have to say (sighs) for me, one of the most unearned deaths in this movie, and I hate to say this because I was really hoping that it would work is black widow dying. I did not shed a tear for her death. Um, I'm just saying, (laughs) I I know I love Scarlett Johansson. I I really do like the character in the films. Um, And they had previously announced that she's getting her own movie. We don't know if that's still happening and if it's still happening, if it's going to be a prequel or not, no idea, but I'm just saying that out of the, the entire movie, this is a moment that I, I it, it didn't necessarily work for me either. I did like seeing them shooting at each other and like trying to, no, you're not going to die. I'm going to die instead of you. But Hawkeye had way more to earn from there. I, I agree with you guys. I do think that this was one of the scenes. This was definitely one of the time travel scenes that really didn't really work and you kind of didn't care, but you knew someone had to give it, give up the ghost, uh, <laughs> pun intended. And, uh, so I think that this didn't really work. And I think like Nick was talking about, it would have made more sense if Hawkeye were, were to go out. Um, because we could think that, you know, Black Widow really just like love this dude and if it is like what you love the most then yeah that that logic does not make any sense he already lost what he loved the most right and i think what justin said like i didn't i didn't i didn't shed a tear but i was kind of like oh man wow like you know somebody we knew somebody was gonna have to give up their lives i definitely wasn't expecting her you you know i'll say this much though maybe i I shed half a tear a half-assed tear for the simple fact that they have red skull in the fucking movie and they can't pay the money to get hugo weaving back to do the voice or at least get him under the makeup god doesn't want to do it i don't care if he wants to do it or not just have him voice it it takes him two seconds to do have him record it on his iphone and send it in you know allergic to money i didn't Uh, i didn't shed a tear i I think i just did a salute like it was just like salute i appreciate the sacrifice you know all right let's go on what's what's next we got no, the guys, stone we gotta do this right now 
this is what we have to do. We have two things to, to, to clear out here at the end, and then whatever we have at the end of that, we can touch on. But let's do this right now, because I think the most important character in this movie outside of Iron Man is Captain America. And we got to touch on him, and then we have to touch on the epicness of, of, of that third act. So I'm going to leave it off to you, Nick. How did you feel about how they wrapped up things for Cap as a character in this film? I hated it. Are you serious? It breaks the logic of the film's time travel rules. You can't go back in time and change your own past. So how the fuck does he go back in time and then suddenly he ends up at the bench as an old man? You can't. They establish the rules of time travel in the first act of the film that they're going to go by in this film. It's a it's a super rewarding character moment. It's a great character moment, but it doesn't make any sense even by the own rules that they establish in this fucking movie. You can't go back in time and change your past. You can't go back in time and change anything. So he can't go back in time and relive the whole thing. And then just suddenly he's an old dude at the bench. Like that's back to the future style time travel. That's what they did there. And that's what the film flew in the face of in terms of its time travel for the whole rest of the fucking runtime. I hated it. It completely fucking pulled me out of the movie again at the end of it. It's perfect for cap. It's a perfect character moment to end his character there because it makes perfect sense. I mean, shit, I would try to get back to Peggy too, but like it, it doesn't make any logical sense in the way that the film establishes its time travel. It completely shits on everything that it established before that. And like the whole time he's sitting there, I'm like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't make any sense with what they established. A film has to obey its own rules. If you're going to use time travel as a plot device, you have to obey the rules that you establish for it in the film. And they didn't. They completely shit all over it. So thematically, you liked where his character thematically yes okay i don't know man because uh he went back in time and they were like you know it's gonna be five seconds to us it's however long he wants it to be or it takes him and so i think he just decided to live his life and the way that i saw it is if i have these pin particles in my hand whenever i decide that i'm gonna go back i'm gonna use it and that's what happened. He just went back. He lived his life, and then he came back. And I think it was a. I think it was a definitely a. It, it was a satisfactory end. I loved Falcon coming up to him and saying "On your left," which was a tie-in to you know what was that? Uh, was that Winter Soldier? That was Winter yes, Soldier. Yes, it is. It's yeah. on their on their run when they in the opening of the movie when they're taking runs around Washington D.C. I love that he, he gives the left, shield to yeah. Falcon. I I absolutely love that. I absolutely. I really want a Captain America movie with Anthony Mackie. I think that'd be great. Yeah, that, I, I love that. Honestly, that's like the best thing they could have done. It I just it like. breaks the logic for me. And like I said, that's me getting into it and being too analytical about it and not just enjoying the movie and turning my brain off. I get it. But it's a valid it criticism, breaks though, its Nick. own rules in terms of what it established earlier in the film and time travel. And that, for me, pulls me out of it because I'm like, he can't have done that. But my question to you, though, is, how would you have done? How would you have wrapped things up? Because this is—I've been thinking about this for days. I, this is the one question I've been wanting to ask you. How would you have wrapped up Cap's storyline in this movie? Because we know he's done. We know Evans is done. He's not coming. You do it back. the exact There's same no way. way. You just skip change the, the park rules bench of the time scene. travel. You skip the park oh, bench yeah. scene. He just goes back and he disappears because because he went back and he'd lived some other life. It's some other timeline now. It's not the same timeline you, anymore. You, yeah, if you if you didn't have that bench scene with Cap and you had just ended the movie on him dancing with Peggy, then that could have been another reality or another timeline. Yeah. But 
you needed to have the scene where he 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 gave the shield to, yeah. to Falcon. Although he could have done that before he left, but he that's have. neither Look, here nor I, there. I, I, I thought it. it was an emotional scene that hit me where it needed to, right here in the heart. But again, yeah, yeah, kind I of, cried during ca- it. Ca- I kind cried of, during it. <laughs> yeah. So kind of like with us, you know, we talked about us a few uh, weeks back. I was engaged with it on a visceral, emotional level. When I started thinking about it, I went, wait. So that like I agree with both sides of the aisle here, but ultimately the movie does what it needs to do, and especially after that monumental third act, which we need to that, dive that's it right, right into. Now. We gotta jump into it right now. So a grand scale epic battle where pretty much anyone who's ever been in one of these movies who has superpowers and can fight shows up all at once which again you could talk about the logic of that too but it doesn't matter because by then you're so excited to see all of your favorite characters show up and you know go at it with thanos and his forces and it's so unbelievably satisfying it offers some of the coolest action that we've seen in any of these movies you know what i'm gonna say this i'm gonna go out on a limb and say this much soy sauce this is the most excited I've been during any third act of any Marvel movie since the original Avengers, and I think that it rivals the original Avengers and maybe even tops it in the action. I was blown the fuck away by this action at the end. I I, I cried when I, when, I, when I saw everyone coming together. I was like, this is what I'm here for. Now, now mind you, we do get a small action sequence prior to them all coming back with just Thor and Cap. Fat Thor. And the... And, well, Fat Thor, he's still, he, <laughs> hey man, he gets his hammer back, and that's also the moment we get to see the iconic moment, which the whole crowd roared in excitement, where Cap actually picks up Thor's hammer and throws it at Thanos, and then Thor says something, what does he say? He's like, I knew it! And yep. then the, the whole crowd went wild, and we're just seeing- That was a great moment. Great Iron moment. Man, Thor, and Cap. The three that we started with. The three that we started with fighting Thanos. I mean, it was so satisfying. And then when they open up the clouds and everyone else comes in, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, we get Scarlet Witch, we get literally Black Panther, everyone. Even Howard the Duck shows up. Did you guys catch Howard the Duck? He was no. there. He was in the lineup and in, in kind of the background, but he was there fighting. I saw him. It was it was so well done, right? Because like in in lesser hands, it would have been muddled, right? Like you'd have just had so many superheroes fighting. But I felt like, you know, back in the day, MTV used to have that America's Best Dance Crew, and one of the things the judges would always talk about is like you allowed everyone to be able to shine and get their own time. And I felt like they really did that well here. They allowed everyone to get their own time to kind of shine. And uh, that was what was really amazing to me. I love the scene with the women of Marvel as, yeah. you know, Spider-Man is like, uh, I that think was it was one Spider-Man, of the most right? He was badass like badass shots in, in the entire film. I adored it. Dude, like the way they played football with uh, the glove, and to me, I was just like, ah, oh. it was, it was, it was just a nod to again in this film. They had to close some chapters and they had to open new chapters, and they gave a nice nod to where they're taking their female characters in the MCU in the future. And I thought that they just did it beautifully. And then on top of that, like the fact that they were like, 
we we we've got this like i I forget i think valkyrie said the line or something and she was just whoever said it they were just like hey we you know we we can do this or whatever and and it was just kind of like listen you've been watching all these male-centric superheroes like let the women take over for for a change and they did it and and it looked great it was awesome i enjoyed it definitely very inspiring and kevin you made a great point because Way back when the first Avengers came out, I'm like, it's amazing how this movie manages to balance each character, manages to give them each a, a, a moment to shine. And in this movie, there's 30 times the characters that are in that original Avengers yep. movie. So that's a testament to the Russos, how they manage to balance everything, every character, give them each their little moment. And I've also been saying this since The Winter Soldier, the Russos know how to direct action in a way that's exciting to watch. It's fluid. It looks good. It's not like choppy or or uh, like nauseating to look at. It's very well edited, very well choreographed. So I got to hand it to the Russos for, for this action sequence at the end. There's nothing better. There's nothing more satisfying than seeing the look on Thanos's face when the clouds open up and he sees Doctor Strange and all of the other heroes coming through. It's insane. It's like, that's the most satisfying moment for me at the end of that movie with all that action. Nick, I got to hear from you, man. Come on, dude. Well, I mean, I, I won't, I won't disagree with anything you guys are saying. I mean, the, the battle in this film, like the, the, that final action set piece is, is just a masterwork. I mean, it, it really, really is. And Voiceoffs mentioned it and Kev touched on it as well, how they give each and every single one of these characters. I mean, you only get a little taste of each of them because you can only, there's so many, you can't give every single one of them like five minutes, but you get a taste of every single character that's, that's been important in this entire thing. Up until now, you get every single bit of it. And and I, I'm sorry to interrupt, Nick, but uh, also payoffs to things set up in earlier movies, too. If you think about um, Spider-Man Homecoming and when he accidentally engages his kill mode and you're like, what could he possibly do with that? And then you see what happens in this movie when he uses his kill mode, he, the, the, the spider legs come out and it's like stabbing everyone. It's awesome. And <laughs> yeah. it's like... They they brought that back from like you know however many movies ago that was like that's a real feat yeah. that's an accomplishment. I loved you know? it when you know it, uh, some of my like fa- absolutely favorite moments uh, when all of a sudden the 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 massive ship Thanos's massive ship just stops firing on them and it just starts firing at something behind the clouds and you already know what it is because you haven't seen her in like two and a half hours but all of a sudden Captain Marvel just comes <laughs> in and just fucks that thing. Oh, up. dude, when she comes in, dude, like, goosebumps dude, my entire so back. Crowd dude. Like it, it, it's like it, it, it's immensely, immensely satisfying. It's, it's such a great action set piece. I do wish there's like a couple, I mean, a couple of little like quibbles that I wish they would have omitted like Scarlet Witch. Like the, the problem that I have with it is again, this isn't the same Thanos and I'm aware of that as a film goer. So I get that she would, she was snapped away. So she doesn't know what the fuck's going on, but like (laughs) I get it in a, in a cathartic moment again, there's the catharsis for the character, the emotional like resolution of her plot arc, like taking it to Thanos because he killed vision. But at the same time, I'm like, like, I love that he has that line. I don't even know who you are. And I'm like, yeah, he doesn't know who you are. So <laughs> like for me, it, it's, it's again, one of those kind of logic things. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this. That's how I, I can't break myself logically away from a film like that. But 
again, that final battle, that those are all nitpicks. Like anything that happened during this final battle is a nitpick, except for one thing that I really fucking hated. I hated Spider-Man like reacting to Tony dying the way that Tony reacted to Spider-Man dying in Infinity War because it just felt like we've seen this. We don't need to see it again. It was just like overkill for me. I was like, about to say like that, the relationship between Tony and Spider-Man was one that like that one always like, cause at the end of infinity war, when he's like, uh, Mr. Stark, you know, I don't feel too good. That like, was the most cheerful moment of that film for me. Exactly. And so, so it's, it's really earned when, uh, Tony comes up to him and, and like he's talking, he's talking, he just like gives him a hug. And for me, yeah. that's kind of when I broke down again. I mean, yeah, they, they might have prolonged it a little bit, but I, I just felt like, you just saw Tony, like, it was a weight lifted off of him. Like, he felt, he, he didn't feel guilty anymore because he knew he got him back. And, yeah. uh, so I felt like that part was kind of earned, actually. I just love the rest of the final battle. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't really have anything else to add to anything that you guys said. I mean, the, the, the final battle is why you want to see this movie. I mean, for everything else that, that, that kind of adds up to it and, and whatever and, and you know scores will fluctuate based on the first two acts depending on how well some of the different aspects of it worked for you and how well some of the film's logic and some of the film's contrivances which there are a lot of pulled you out of it or not but i mean really you're here for this this is the money shot of money shots this is what you paid for that ticket for to see literally every single avenger there is just throw down against Thanos and his army and to come up victorious. Uh, it, it, I mean, in, in terms of that, like I, I can't fault it at all. Like even quibbles aside, like it's, it's literally perfect. I mean, it's literally everything that everyone has wanted it to be forever. Like, I mean, literally, like when you think about like the entire history of the MCU, like that's what you wanted to see, like your dick, that's when your nostalgia boner, Justin, throbs harder than it, it ever did. throbs. And it throbbed hard. They they crossed their T's and dotted <laughs> their I's. They knew. They yeah. knew they had to get this thing right in that third act. Nails it. It does. I cried. I cried when they, they all came out at the end. They're all about to fight. I legit cried. I was so excited, so happy. And that's why I think the buildup in this movie, um, even flaws aside, you know, there are flaws in this movie, but that buildup and the suspense of seeing them all back there together again and fighting and beating Thanos finally uh, once and for all, it was so satisfying. I, I couldn't have asked for a more satisfying ending. I loved it. I loved this movie. Ladies and gentlemen, I loved Avengers Endgame, and I liked it better than Infinity War. I'll say this. I, I, I think that ultimately, doesn't matter what level of fanboy you are or whatever, I don't think anyone could have said this is how Endgame is going to play out. Like, no one... It, it was it was new to us all, which is why it was so important that you don't spoil the end game. And honestly, like when I left the theater, um, I was like, you know, people could get killed over this, like because because just like when in soccer, you know, it, it's when people have done an own goal in you know the World Cup or whatever the case may be, and like people have lost their lives over that, right? Like I, it wasn't a surprise when we heard about, you know, the guy that got beat up yeah, for the crap beat out of a man. Real exactly. Too, it, yeah. And that's horrible. That is that, that shouldn't happen. Um, and there's no, but about it, that should not happen. 
I just understand why so many people you've invested so much uh, that really the way that they kept everything so quiet going in with a blank slate, it, it, there was a huge payoff and I don't think it's you could have predicted what, this is how every film should be marketed. Every single film. Give us a taste of whatever's in like the first 20 minutes of it and nothing else. The trailers literally show d- nothing past the first hour of the film. That's Except impressive. Except for like very, very brief reaction shots of characters. But you, yeah, you're exactly right. You don't get to see anything. Everything is like first act oriented. I love the marketing for this film. The marketing for this film deserves a 10 out of 10. Like, it's I mean, genius. I, it's, it's amazing. Genius. It's excellent, excellent marketing. But to move on from the marketing, I want to know what this film deserves in terms of ratings we're going to wrap this thing up here we got to get to your hot takes really really quickly at the end of the show but kev final thoughts baby and throw a rating on this thing end game let's hear it yeah i'm sorry but you know after 11 years and 22 films i have to grade it on a a two-way scale so a film by itself uh i'm i'm somewhere between like b b plus like I think on its own, like it merits like somewhere in a B, B plus range, right? In terms of 22 films, it's an A. Hands down, the payoff was amazing. The, you, you know, like Nick, you pointed out some of the flaws within the film. So at, on its own, but for what it was, which you cannot separate, it is the culmination of 21 films before it. It's an A, hands down for me. So, you know, 10 out of 10. Wow. 10 out of 10. Wow. Wow. So let's go to the god of podcasting himself. His socks are so crispy right now. His socks are crispy. They've been wet this whole show. I need to get like a little crunching sound effect on the board. On his floor. (laughs) I just know that someone needs to vacuum it up or clean it up in the morning. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) Avengers (laughs) Endgame. As I said, it's an accomplishment. What the Russo brothers have managed to do, what John Favreau and Kevin Feige did all the way back with Iron Man in 2008. I mean, the fact that these movies exist in the way that they do, some have been better than others, yes, but they all have completely formed to make this one giant, beautiful cinematic universe. And um, this movie sets up a, a continuation of this universe, um, which we'll see how that goes. I have some quibbles with the fact that we're now dealing with a universe in which time travel exists, and that's going to be hard to not think about when we're, t- <laughs> you know, when we're going into future movies. And the fact that you know, five years have passed, and Spider-Man's going back to high school. Whatever, maybe those questions will be answered. But I am excited for what's to come. What a great finale, though, to what we've seen so far. So I'm going to go ahead and give Avengers Endgame a 9 out of 10 just for the sheer scope of it, uh, the sheer emotion of it, what, how it made me feel during the movie. I've ne- I haven't been this excited and uh, emotional watching a movie in a long, long time. And you know what? I'm just going to piggyback right off of that, and we'll let Nick... Hang it on his own head at the end because I know where he's going with it. But you know what? I'm giving my rating Whatever the same you mean, rating. Sir. 
that you did. Nine out of 10 for me. I have not been this satisfied watching a Marvel movie. Um, I think in terms of scope and in terms of enjoyment and how many times I fucking cried in it, um, since the first Avengers, like I said, that third act, really the buildup and everything, I do have quibbles with it. Um, I agree with Nick on a lot of points. I agree with you, Loisos, and Kevin on a lot of the things that I had issues with, um, which I've discussed, you know, in full detail outside of the show. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, we would have to give you three and a half. Actually, the, the, the show would be longer than the movie itself if we discussed it as in detail as we'd want to. Um, but for me, it's a nine out of 10, completely satisfying ending to this. And you know what? Now I can stop caring about the future movies completely because I have an excuse to. I, I, I am very optimistic about Spider-Man Far From Home, which I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, if you listened last week, I did get make a mistake on the show I called Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, so I just wanted to make that clear on the show. But all that aside, 9 out of 10 for me. Nick, go ahead and give it a 4 out of 10. This is a this is a cathartic episode for <laughs> Justin. He's admitting mistakes that he's made left and right. Well, I'm admitting that, and I'm also admitting, I also admit, Nick, that, like I said, the last however many months the last year since we saw Infinity War that I'm wrong, that I felt that I was wrong about Tony Stark's death. I feel like Man. I'm glad that they waited. Who is he? I'm not, I'm not that drunk, dude. Two <laughs> beers and one PBR. The Hopester might have dropped it and gave me a PBR. I bet, I the, I bet the Hopester probably did drop it and give you a PBR. Here's a, here's a quick just kind of logical question for you guys. They undo the snap. Their entire thing is we're just going to bring everybody that the snap did away with. And it's five years later. So you're somebody who was disappeared in the snap. And while you were ashes or whatever, the bank foreclosed on your home and sold it to somebody else and somebody else lives at your house now. And then you're unsnapped. Where do you live? Like, what do you do? Like, I I love thinking about like little logical things in the universe like that. Of like, course how, you do. How on of earth would that do. play out? Like how on earth would that work? Like in terms of like, I mean, superheroes in this world are, are, are somebody else went and took your job. Like somebody else is now like the manager of this plant that you were the manager of. You got snapped away and now you have to like, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of the fact that like time travel exists in this universe now and like how they're going to explain that in future movies. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the exact logic of the snap, right? So, like Thanos said, I want 50% of the known universe gone, right? So, I imagine it as, like, blowing out your birthday candles. Like, you make a wish, and that's what... that. So, I think, like, I if Iron Man... I of the world's population of the most attractive women to lay me every <laughs> single day. Snap. Okay, that could happen. Or if Iron Man said, like, bring back the 50% and make the world as it was before, then boom, that could happen. I don't know. I'm just giving it something to make it logical. But Nick, what I'm you're just, saying I'm makes sense. I'm just having fun with sense. that question. I, I don't yeah. really mean that seriously. That, that that doesn't have anything to do with, with, with my viewing of the film. I just, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, like, they just bring everybody back five years later and they got to walk into this world that's been without them for five years and try to figure out like their place in it. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to see that movie. There's like, a phase so four file, right there. Yeah. So filing that under, uh, things that make you go, Hmm. Things that make you go while watching hmm. Avengers Endgame. Exactly. So I, I, I can't be as kind to this movie. I do agree with you guys that this is a massive achievement in terms of Marvel 1.2 billion box office opening weekend. 
amazing, amazing thing. The culmination of 11 years, 22 films, but it's still a five out of 10 for me. I was still oh really, really unhappy with this movie. That's not even a passing it's rating. It's not a passing grade. No, it's not a recommendation. You're, you're, th- that's I love bullshit. that final battle. How the hell are you going to say that the third act is a monumental it's, achievement it is. you can't recommend? It's amazing. It. Fuck this. It's great. That's bullshit. It's great, dude. but I was I legitimately bored to tears by the first that. half of this film. I hated the way that they set it up, I and I just disagreed with, with so many different things that they did I in this film. I can't I, listen. That's me. I can't recommend it. I can't do it. I loved Infinity War. I definitely you're, you're going to hold people back on seeing something so satisfying. You know, people are probably going to love. Listen, I I love. Like I said, I I, I came around on Marvel in a big way in Phase Three. I quit. You know, I did. I quit. I quit. I quit. I just I I I. I just came into this movie Seriously. with the same amount of expectations as everybody else. I was so pumped. I was looking forward to it. And everything it's was just It's a good executed. movie, though. It's a good movie. I, it's I not I, a failed I disagree. movie. It's not a it's failed a, it's movie. A, it's a movie with good parts, with great parts, with excellent, amazing parts that also has some really, really shitty, stupid parts. So it falls right in the no. middle for me. Falls no. right in the middle. I can't give it a 4 out of 10. I don't get that. So, so, so question, question. Overall, if someone asks you, hey, should I go see Endgame? You're saying, eh, no. wait till it comes out on DVD. You know. I, what, what he's saying, Kevin, is not to watch it at all, which is totally yeah. wrong. I disagree. I, I think it makes as many mistakes as it as it makes leaps forward and strides and, and, and great things. But the whole point is, never mind. I refuse to rate it. it I refuse to combine everything together and, and 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 rate it based just on the spectacle. I refuse to because it stroked my fan boner and gave me great moments that I thought were really really great. I can't just give it a great rating. I can't ignore the flaws that the film has for me watching it as a viewer. I can't do it, and I won't. Five out of ten. You can for other movies, but you can for other movies. So I'll leave that aside. I'll I'll shut up. But you can for other movies when you can justify it based on what you want to do. In order to give the rating you want to give, you can do it, and you have done it. There's not nothing to do with this, this movie because because you're being this, this especially movie. harsh on it because of the movie that it is. No, and the story. It's di- yep. it just yep. didn't yep. work I'll for find me. Examples. I'll bring it up next week. I'll bring it up next week. It, it's I'm allowed gonna, to just not work for me. Like that's that's the thing. Like that's th- Nick. That's Nick. That's fine. I, I I really admire that you're sticking to your guns on this because it is a, a, a movie that everyone is kind of expected to love. I, I but you like have to love it. Five out of ten is bullshit. Five five out of ten. I that is like a not recommend. Deal like, with it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> contrarian. Con, hashtag contrarian. <laughs> it's a big movie. It's a big, big, big movie, and uh, we spent a lot of time on it. So. That's it. Justin's mad at me forever. He's going to kill me when he sees me next. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> I'm not mad. I am not. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> As a person, I'm disappointed in your in your decision making here, and um, that that's just where it goes. I see what I see with my eyes, baby. Fast and the Furious, the one after Paul Walker died, I gave it an A. Right? Is it real? Are Fast and the Furious films really A worthy? Uh, no, they're not. Not not on a massive scale, but to me, subjectively, right? It's it, it, that was like I loved how they brought all that stuff together, and I was emotional, and I'm you know. So to me, I'm just like, how can you enjoy a film? How can we talk about this thing? It's one thirty in the morning now, 
and give it a five out of 10. I just don't get it. Like, I think like Justin has said, like you want to be the guy that says, no, I don't like it, which I think is fun. That's part of film. And that's part of like debating, but like what in the world? I don't want to be that guy. I never want to be that guy. I want to love every movie I walk into the theater to see. I really, really do. And it's, it's just, I don't believe that there's a difference between subjective and objective film criticism. I know a lot of people would disagree with that, but I don't think you can perfectly and fully remove yourself from the element of criticism. And I can't remove myself from it. Like if I have logical issues with a film, if they detract from it in some fashion, but I enjoyed other things, those two things kind of meet in the middle for me. Like I really, really, really hated the first half of this movie. I can't emphasize how much I did. The second act of the movie saved it for me. And brought my rating up to a five. It would have been worse. It would have been worse if it would have been as bad at the, at the second. I'm done. Half. It I really can't even say anything because you already contradicted yourself with what you just said based on what you said earlier no, in the conversation. Yes, you did. You loved elements of the thing that happened earlier Absolutely on in the movie, but you just it. said I hated the first. You you totally By and large, just, I hated the first. Listen, half of the when movie. you edit, when you go back and edit the show, listen to what you By said large, earlier on. Unless you're going to delete it and then you're going to edit it and then I won't. You won't. By won't and large, show. I hated the first half of the movie. You can go back and watch but the whole thing on Twitch. You loved elements of the first act of the movie. You hated it, but you loved elements of it yeah i enjoyed some elements of so it that makes no some fucking sense to me it makes no sense to me yeah a passing rating a six out of ten nope. acceptable if you love things about a movie if Can't i hate it. a movie yeah no passing rating no Can't nothing passing if i hate anything about it not gonna no. do it no no yeah, because you're a contrarian you're gonna get that hashtag contrarian stamp on twitter nope. i know you will and i know you're proud of that so you can have julio it. already took that from me because he's from the contrarians uh but that's it ladies and gentlemen that is our thoughts on Endgame. That is your thoughts on Endgame <laughs> for your hot takes. Kev, Kevin Sampson of Picture Lock, uh, again, an absolute treat, an absolute thrill, and an honor and a pleasure to have you here joining us tonight, sir. Remind our audience again where they can find you on the web. Hey, guys. Once again, man, it's it's always a pleasure. I mean, even this last little bit where we're talking and debating and upset with Nick about his lack of pr- judgment uh (laughs) it's fun and so i really do appreciate you guys having me back on you can catch all of my movie reviews as well as the podcast over at picturelockshow.com everything on social media is at picturelockshow again if you are like a filmmaker you know a filmmaker the dc black film festival we're in our late deadline uh submissions period and then we got like an extended deadline but definitely go over to dcbff.org and get your films in uh once again guys this was so much fun like i like i knew i was gonna be up late with you guys but like i love it every single time so thanks again love having you man absolutely love having you justin if he can get over fuming where look, look at my face my face is not red where right now can our audience find us i'm completely on calm the web www.epicfilmguys.com on twitter instagram at epic film guys as well as facebook make sure if you're interested in the show this is the one thing we ask you guys week in and week out if this is your first time or your 50th time please 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 we would appreciate it so much Head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review or say something about it, please. Please. Like, for real. 
it really helps us out a lot and it shows that you guys are listening and we care so much about we that. have gotten a couple um, recently as well so i i didn't get a chance to to read them but i did notice that oh, we got awesome. a couple recently so thank you very very much uh if if you've jumped over there recently we got to read those out on the show when we have the chance but i mean unfortunately this episode was so packed like jam-packed we, did, we jam-packed. just couldn't fit it all in here but um make sure as well Head on over to Facebook, facebook.com slash Epic Film Guys, and join our fan group, The Hopesters Dumpster, because that's where you can collaborate, you can talk, you can bullshit with us, you can give us ideas for future shows, just hang out with us. You can yell at me for my ratings of movies. No, Nick, and again, for the 50th time, I never said I hated you. You're trying to make this more extreme than it is. it's, it's, It's a thing on our show that... I'm not the one hating you. There may be other people. Well, that's out there what I'm that saying. It's it's, it's a thing. I don't hate you. People, I love you. But people I, like to get on my shit about the ratings I give movies, whether if, positive if or I, negative. If I didn't give you shit for them, then where where, where would there be? Except for uh, Hellboy. Kind of Everybody show. agrees with my two out of ten for Hellboy. <laughs> hey, I gave it four. I gave it four for four good reasons: breasts, <laughs> monsters, makeup effects, and violence. <laughs> there you go. There's four points. <laughs> So, uh, but no, for real, check us out on social media. And of course, with Livestream for the Cure coming up, you guys, please check out livestreamforthecure.com. We're, we're really, we're, we're, we're less than two weeks away as of this recording hitting your ears. Please. It's going to be please, huge. Please, please, please. Blaze has got to be happy. I didn't even hit the Trump sound drop tonight. I didn't even have time. And you promised to. I How did. dare you? God. See, I can't even trust you. I'm so See, sorry. now I can't even trust you even more. <laughs> you promised something. What's going on here? I don't even know what to do here. I quit. Here, Loisos, just really, for you, buddy. Build that wall. Build that wall. Build that wall. Build that wall. No more spoilers. Thank you, Nick. Uh, Loisos, thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, we love you. We appreciate it. I love you whenever you're on the show. I love having you here. Oh, we missed you shucks. last week. Well, I had to talk to Justin all by myself. It was scary. Uh, I think he threatened to bite me a couple of times, if I remember correctly. Probably. Probably. That Actually, he was. Right. He was mystified by all my choices last week in the uh, 2012 retrospective. He's like, I have no he, idea yeah, what you're doing. He picked one movie I never even heard of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody out there, That's thank you keep- so, so much for listening. We love you. We do appreciate you. As Justin said, livestreamforthecure.com. Get those early donations in for your chance to win some NordVPN. Get those early donations in anyway. Help us build up 10% or more of that goal before we go live on the air May 17th for 40 hours of content to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute. It's going to be absolutely amazing. That's all for this episode. I'd like to thank the Epic Film guys for coming back on the show. Definitely had a fun time digging in the weeds on this one, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as well. Make sure you check them out. I'll have their info in the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcasts so you can hear the extended radio versions of the show, catch unlocked episodes, and the Picture Lock PR after show, giving you buckets of free knowledge for your film projects, PR and marketing from filmmakers doing it. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lock podcast and I'll come right up. Feel free to leave a five-star review of the show as well. You're supporting the filmmakers and guests I have on the show by allowing more people to be exposed to the podcast. It's quick, easy, and free, and I really appreciate it. You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Watch back episodes of the TV show at youtube.com slash picture lock show and subscribe. I've got new movie reviews for this weekend up now, so please go check that out. Give it a like. 
If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. All music is done by Mike S. The Producer 13. Make sure you follow him on all things social media at Mike S. The Producer numeral one, numeral three, and hit him up for your music production needs. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film.